This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. In the midst of this message of despair of of Amos, I want you to know that there is that message of hope that God says, you know what, if you will turn back to me, no matter where you're at, no matter what you've done, no matter what situation you find yourself in right now, if you will turn back to me, you will live. You will be blessed. I, I will come in. And we will, again, have that relationship that I so desire. That's God's desire. God desires to be gracious. What type of God do we serve? Is He loving or is He just looking to destroy us? Well, the cross proves to us just how loving our God truly is. Just because He's loving doesn't mean He won't discipline His children when they're doing wrong. God will use circumstances and consequences of our sin to discipline us. But His intention is for that discipline to lead us back to Him. As we look at the nation of Israel, we will see that no matter what God did, they would not return to him. Let's join Pastor David in the book of Amos, chapter 4, verse 1, for today's study. What they had, they just wanted more. And what more they got, they wanted more. And they, again, in other words, stepping on others to be able to get higher and higher and higher. It says, who say to your husbands, bring wine, let us drink. And I don't think that he's talking about just having a, a glass of wine in the afternoon. I think this is the thing. Man, let's just party down. Let's just, let's just slam it down because I don't care anything about the world. And I'm going to get totally wasted because I don't care about your situation. All I care about is my good pleasure. And God is saying, listen, the Lord God has sworn by his holiness. Behold, the day shall come upon you when he will take you away with fish hooks and your posterity, your offspring, in other words, with fish hooks. And you will go out through broken walls, each one straight ahead of her. And you will be cast into Harmon, says the Lord. The Assyrians, MO, their modus operandi, their method of operation, was exactly what Amos is writing here. This whole idea of fish hooks. The Assyrians were such a, a gross and vile people. They literally would, uh, again, the, the abuse that they had to either put a, a hook through the lips or through the noses of the people that they captured and just drag them along one after another. And many times your hook was tied to my hook, was tied to your hook, was tied to your hook. And so if you tried to break free, you're ripping him and me both at the same time. So everybody pretty much had to stay all in order. So where he says there that you're taking out one straight ahead of her right in line because that's the way that they controlled the people with these fish hooks or rings in, in their mouths or in their noses and led them that way. A very vile, very abusive type of people taking you out through the broken walls because they would break the walls down, capture the people, bring them right back through those broken down walls. He says, come to Bethel and transgress. At Gilgal, multiply your transgressions. Well, remember Bethel, that was a, that was a place of the pagan worship. Gilgal, place of the pagan worship. God is saying, hey, go ahead, go to Bethel and transgress. 
Go to Gilgal. Multiply your transgression. Go ahead. Bring your sacrifices every morning, your tithes every three days. Offer up a sacrifice of thanksgiving, even with leaven. Proclaim and announce the free will offering. For this you love, you children of Israel. But you know, says the Lord God. But you know what? He says that in absolute sarcasm. He says, oh, why don't you have another rally? Why don't you have another big, big, big church time? Why don't you have another big gathering? Do all the stuff. It's not touching my heart at all, God says. It's all about you. It's all about you feeling good for yourself and going through these motions of worship, sarcasm to the max. He says, also, I give you cleanness of teeth in all your cities. Say, hey, Praise God, we don't have to brush our teeth anymore. No. Why, why, why do they have, why do they have cleanness of teeth? Because they don't have any food. He says, I'm going to give you cleanness of teeth in all your cities and lack of bread in all your places. And yet, you've not returned to me, says the Lord. Discipline without repentance. The food, uh, uh, lack of harvest, lack of nourishment, all of these things, God had disciplined them. But did they listen? No, they didn't listen. They continued to turn away from God. They continued to rebel against God. They continued to, to, to go through the motions of all of their worship. But it wasn't the worship of the one true God. It was worship that was self-satisfying. Think about the church today. How much involved in what we do in the name of the church is self-satisfying rather than actually sacrificing with hearts open and obedient and desiring God. God says, I did all that, and yet you've not returned to me. That's the first time he says it. Keep count. Verse 7, I also withheld rain from you when there was still three months to the harvest. And then I made it rain on one city, but I withheld rain from another city. On one part was rained upon, and where it did not rain, the part withered. So two or three cities wandered to another city to drink water, but they weren't satisfied. Here it is again. Yet you've not returned to me. God says, I, I've, I've given you these warnings. I've, I've, I've brought this discipline. I've, I've, I've done the tap on the, on, on, on the bottom saying, come on, straighten up, straighten up. Every once in a while, maybe a two-by-four to the head, straighten up. You're, you're going the wrong way. Here's the way you need to be walking, but you continue to go the other way. Verse 9, he says, I blasted you with blight and mildew when your gardens increased, your vineyards and your fig trees and your olive trees. In other words, they had a great harvest, but blight and mildew came in. And then he says, the locusts devoured them. Also, yet you've not returned to me. Again, he's given that warning, and yet you've not returned, says the Lord. Verse 10, I, I, I sent among you a plague after the manner of Egypt. Now, this is getting this is getting pretty powerful here. If you remember all the plagues that, you know, went through Egypt. He says, your young men I killed with a sword along with your captive horses. I made the stench of your camps come up in your nostrils. And again, yet you've not returned to me, says the Lord. It's kind of like a plague went through and not only men died, but their animals died and just the stench of death was just so strong there. 
He says in verse 11, I overthrew some of you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. You were like a firebrand plucked from the burning. There it is again, yet you've not returned to me. How did God overthrow Sodom and Gomorrah? Supernaturally, okay? We can say the fire and the hail and the brimstone from the sky that, that burnt them up. But can we just say in the overall sense, it was just in a supernatural way God did that. Now, whether it was fire and brimstone at this point in time, or whether it was just supernaturally God did it, we don't know for sure. But he did point out like Sodom and Gomorrah. So it could have been that very same thing. Verse 12, he says, For thus I will do to you, O Israel, because I will do this to you, this is probably some of the most sobering words you can ever, ever read. Prepare to meet your God, O Israel. Prepare to meet your God. Five times in that chapter, he says, you know, I've done all this, yet you've not returned to me. I want you to pause and think for a moment. I just want you to ponder for a second, if you would. In your life, each one of you in particular, as you've lived your life, as you've come to Christ, hopefully everybody in here that knows the Lord, I know that when you came to Christ, you failed at least once or twice since then. Can we pretty well attest to the fact that I'm not the only one in that boat? Okay, good. That makes me feel a little better. But the fact is, in our failings, in the areas where we have struggled in our lives to be obedient to the Lord, where we, in our own rebellion, our own selfishness, or let's just call it what it is, in our own sinfulness. How many times did God have to whack us a little, correct us, direct us, until finally we got back on path? Hopefully it's only once or twice. Hopefully it's just that still small voice of the Lord that says, Hey, here's the way. Walk in. Oh, okay. I got off track because I had my eyes someplace else because I was thinking about something else. I allowed my mind to wander into the things of the world. Thank you, Lord, for your gentleness. Thank you, Lord, for your, 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 your loving hand of mercy. Or maybe for some it's been two or three or four times. Maybe for some of you it's been five or more times. And maybe you might even be in the midst of it right now. And God's saying, are you going to really return to me? Or are you going to keep bringing your sacrifices every morning, your tithes every three days, your sacrifice of thanksgiving with leaven, proclaiming and announcing the free will offerings? In other words, you're going to keep just doing a outside religious thing that does not impress God one iota. Not at all. Because what he says is, I want you to return to me. I want you to come back to me. He says, if you don't, prepare to meet your God. Verse 13, for behold, he who forms mountains and creates the wind, who declares to man what his thought is and makes the morning darkness, who treads the high places of the earth, the Lord God of hosts is his name. He says, that's how mighty and how powerful I am. You're going to meet me soon. And I'm the one who formed the mountains. I'm the one who creates the wind. I know your very thoughts. I tread the high places of the earth. And the Lord God of hosts is his name. 
chapter 5. Hear this word which I take up against you, O lamentation, O house of Israel. The virgin of Israel has fallen, and she will rise no more. She lies forsaken in her land. There is no one to raise her up. If we were to take verse 2, and if all we knew was the might and the power, the holiness and the righteousness of God, the instruction and the disciplining of God. And we came to verse 2, and it says, The virgin of Israel has fallen. She will rise no more. What would our understanding be? She would rise no more. When it says she lies forsaken in her land, and there's no one to raise her up, what would our understanding be? There'd be nobody that could raise her up. Now, I say all that because I've also read the end of the book, okay? And in the end of the book, I think we could put a little tagline on here and say, unless the Lord, unless the Lord comes to your defense, unless the Lord does that mighty work in your life. We know in the life of Israel, in all that God has done in and with and through that nation, that we look at that nation today And that nation right now is prospering. You look at that nation right now and you see, wow, what God is doing in that little bitty tiny piece of real estate that's no bigger than New Jersey. And the might and the power that's there. Are they a righteous nation? Nah. But God's not done with them yet either. You, you, you go back to, uh, 19, uh, was it 1948? And again, where God brought something that was nothing back to being again. He's a, he's a God of resurrection. Not only did he resurrect Christ and not only will we be resurrected in that day, but he resurrected a whole nation. Israel that was scattered all over the world. God came and said, Hey, I'm going to make you again. And I'm going to do something in you and through you. Now, the sad thing is how many generations it took from when this was written, around 700 or so B.C. to 1948. So 1950 years that side and about 750 years that side. That's just a lot of years. That's a lot of generations. That's a lot of people that did not know the Lord because of the rebellion the continued rebellion, the continued rejection against the things of God. Verse 3 of chapter 5. For thus says the Lord God, the city that goes out by a thousand shall have a hundred left. That which goes out by a hundred shall have ten left to the house of Israel. Okay, all you math whizzes, what percentage of loss is that? 90%. I figured that out without a calculator, by the way. You ought to be proud of me. I know. It's impressive. 90% loss. And that's of the lives that, that were just totally and absolutely destroyed. Why? Because of rebellion, continued rejection, because of their turning to, to idol worship in the guise or the pretense of worship. Verse 4. Thus says the Lord to the house of Israel, 
Wait a second. It says, you're going to fall. You're not going to rise anymore. There's not going to be anybody that will raise you up. But then all of a sudden we hit verse 4. Thus says the Lord to the house of Israel, seek me and live. Don't go and seek Bethel, that place of idol worship. Don't enter Gilgal, the place with the pagan altars. Don't pass over to Beersheba, where again they, they worship to these, 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 these demonic forces. For Gilgal shall surely go into captivity. Bethel shall come to nothing. He says, seek the Lord and live. Lest he break out like a fire in the house of Joseph and devour it with no one to quench it in Bethel, who you who turn justice to wormwood and lay righteousness to rest in the earth. Again, all of these things, God says, there's still time. There's still time. And the reality is, is while we're still breathing, there's still time. Then how many are guaranteed our next breath? None of us. None of us. And you know what? I don't care how healthy you are. I hear stories of guys that go out jogging and die before they hit the ground. That's why I don't jog. It's, it can kill you. As long as we have breath, God is giving us a chance to repent, to get serious in our walk with him, and to quit playing church. He goes on to say, look, I made the, the seven stars of the Pleiades uh, and, and Orion. He, he turns the shadows of death in the morning. He makes the day dark as night. He calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out on the face of the earth. The Lord is his name. Jehovah is his name. The self-sufficient one is his name. He rains ruin upon the strong so that fury comes upon the fortress. It's interesting. He calls the waters of the sea and pours them out on the face of the earth. You remember, now this is like, again, 700, 750 years before the time of Christ. Science hadn't really discovered this whole thing of the, the evaporation cycle, how from the ocean the, the, the waters rise up and forms the clouds and comes again. But yet God knew exactly how it worked. And so he gave the word to his prophet to speak these things. Verse 2, they hate the one who rebukes in the gate. So again, he's speaking about the people. Somebody comes and rebukes, says, hey, you know what you guys are doing is wrong. He says, no, we, we, we hate them. Don't tell us we're doing wrong. They abhor the one who speaks uprightly. In other words, they, they don't want anybody even to be doing righteously. Therefore, because you tread down the poor and take grain taxes from them, Though you have built, how, that, by the way, that's food taxes. Uh, just a thought there. I, you know, we, anybody bought groceries lately? That's okay. But anyway, uh, though you have built houses of hewn stone, yet you shall not dwell in them. Oh, you've planted all these pleasant vineyards, but you shall not drink wine from them. For I know your manifold transgressions and your mighty sins, afflicting the just and taking bribes, diverting the poor from justice at the gate. Therefore, the prudent keep silent at that time. For it's an evil time. Even the ones that are trying to be righteous, even the ones that are trying to be good, they, they can't even say anything because the masses would come against them. It's not too far from where we're at in our nation right now. 
to rise up for justice and righteousness and godliness right now. Do you think there's a little bit of pushback in our nation right now? Absolutely. Absolutely. He says all of these things happen and, and, and the prudent have to keep silent because it's an evil time. And then here again, he says in verse 14, he says again, seek good and not evil that you might live. Same thing that he said up in verse 4 where he said, seek me and live. Verse 6 where he said, seek the Lord and live. Now he says, seek good and not evil that you might live. God again, giving opportunity, giving chance, giving grace, showing and demonstrating mercy. He says, you need to come to that point where you hate evil and you love good. You need to get reestablish this justice in the gate. It may be that the Lord God of hosts will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. Beloved, that is the most amazing thing about God that I think that we could ever see and declare. The grace and the mercy that continually, continually is poured out. No matter how often, and and I hesitate to say this because some will then take this as a uh, as an opportunity to to keep running and keep failing keep turning against the lord but I want to give this as a message of hope. In the midst of this message of despair of, of Amos, I want you to know that there is that message of hope that God says, you know what? If you will turn back to me, no matter where you're at, no matter what you've done, no matter what situation you find yourself in right now, if you will turn back to me, you will live. You will be blessed. I, I will come in. And we will, again, have that relationship that I so desire. That's God's desire. God desires to be gracious. Do you understand that, that God desires to be gracious? Do you understand that's the whole reason he sent Christ? If God didn't desire to be gracious and merciful, then, hey, why send Christ? But because of God's desire, he sent Christ on our behalf. And Christ took upon him our sin in order that what? We might become the very righteousness of God. Why? Because of God desires to be gracious. God desires to be merciful. Verse 16. Therefore, the Lord God of hosts, the Lord says this, there shall be wailing in the streets. And they shall say in all the highways, Alas! Alas! They shall call the farmer to mourning and skillful lamenters to wailing. In all vineyards there shall be wailing, for I will pass through you, says the Lord. Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord! For what good is the day of the Lord to you? It'll be darkness and not light. Wow, I speak all the time. Yeah, Lord, come. Even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Are we really ready to meet the Lord? Are we really in a situation that we say, hey, come right now? I always say, yeah, come right now while I'm preaching. Okay, I'm I'm probably not messing up too bad right now. Come right now. But really, our lives throughout the day, every day, it ought to be that time. Lord, at, at, at any moment, at any time, at any day, come right now. And he says, you know, you're saying, hey, I'm, I'm waiting for the day of the Lord. Do you realize, are, are you really ready? He says, woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. For what good is the day of the Lord to you? It's going to be darkness and not light. It'll be as though a man fled from a lion and a bear met him. 
Yeah, now can, can you catch that scene? I'm, I'm running along and the lion is behind me and all of a sudden I turn around and look, and there's a bear right before me. There's, there's no winning in that situation. It, it's as though he went into his house for safety, okay? And as he's in there hiding from the lion, he leans his hand on the wall and then a scorpion bites him. Or a serpent, a snake. Is not the day of the Lord darkness and not light? Is it not very dark with no brightness in it? We hope that today's edition of The Open Word has been a blessing to you. If you live in the Casa Grande, Arizona area, we want to invite you to join us for worship. The messages that you hear on The Open Word are produced from worship services at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. Maybe the teaching you heard is exactly what you're looking for in a church. Then please join us. We have services on Saturday evenings and two Sunday morning worship services, as well as other services throughout the week. For more information about service times, including driving directions, log on to TheOpenWord.com and then follow the link to the church website. Now, we want to be sure to tell you how you can get a free copy of this teaching. Simply log on to TheOpenWord.com. Our website has today's message available for you to download. For more information about The Open Word or Calvary Chapel Casa Grande, we encourage you to log on to TheOpenWord.com. Remember, at the website you'll find quite a bit of information about The Open Word and a link to the church website. So log on to TheOpenWord.com today and get to know us better. We wish we had more time today to share more of Pastor David's message, but we've run out of time. From all of us here with the production team, we want to say thank you for tuning in. And may God richly bless you.